Hey, I want to tell you about something. It's a website called LibertyMemes.com. It's a site that was established recently by voluntarists for voluntarists, and also for the purpose of helping spread the message of liberty. What's more important than that? Many of the memes at LibertyMemes.com are not only extremely entertaining, but also quite informative and convincing in the cause of promoting liberty and libertarian ideas. I need you to go to LibertyMemes.com, that's LibertyMemes.com, and find a few memes that speak to a part of the message of liberty that you associate with, and share those memes using the easy share bar located at the bottom of the screen. And LibertyMemes.com is a mobile-ready website. That means regardless of what chrome robot turd of a device you're slinging around, you can access it. Of course, I suppose you don't have to visit LibertyMemes.com and share their memes. You don't have to support their sponsors. Because at the end of the day, eh, maybe liberty isn't really that important to you. But then, why are you listening to this show? LibertyMemes.com. Adding new memes every day and rapidly approaching their 1,000th meme. Visit them today at LibertyMemes.com. The production you are about to hear is largely a work of fiction. If you'd like to hear the latest in tech news that Sovereign Tech usually delivers, please feel free to listen to episode 148 and back, or listen to episodes after this one. But with that said, happy Halloween, everybody. Last time on Sovereign Check. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with, I mean, it's great material. Like somehow Hollywood got Iron Man right. Because I had said that since I was a teenager. I said, whenever they make an Iron Man movie, it's going to be huge because this guy has problems. He was like an alcoholic. He has all these issues. It's going to make for great drama. And I'm not saying that Iron Man's this great hero or anything. I'm just saying that it makes for, for a great film. And Fantastic Four has all of those elements, but they just keep fucking it up and they fuck it up on the casting. The the movies that came out in the aughts, they screwed up that casting, too. Uh, it's it's just failure, 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 failure. Even Roger Corman's was better. His the one he did in the 90s was better than the, the shit they're schlepping now. Uh, it was just it was so bad. I was really, really disappointed. And all this and not to even, you know, to do this interdimensional thing and to not call it the negative zone. Uh, the, no. What what the hell? Yeah, I was saying the interdimensional. What computer? What the hell's going on? A quantum singularity is forming outside of Skylab C. Damn it. I'm in the middle of recording a show. What kind of singularity? It appears to be a dimensional rift. A dimensional rift? You could possibly create an Einstein Rosen Podolsky bridge. Computer, raise chromaton shields. Chromaton shields cannot protect the entire station from the rift. Computer, put the chromaton field around me now! Hold on, Stallion, this is gonna get bumpy. Computer? Computer, where are we? Computer? System voice print verified. Agent Brian Soviet of the KGB. What? The KGB? Computer, where am I? You are aboard the USSR station, Mir 7. USSR Mir 7? That looks like Skylab C. You have an intruder above the station. Go, go! Oh boy. 
And now, the conclusion. December 25th, 1991. The news from ITN. Gorbachev, the last president of the Soviet Union, resigns. The red flag of communism is lowered over the Kremlin. Yeltsin takes control of 30,000 Soviet nuclear weapons. And world leaders pay tribute to Gorbachev's achievements. Good evening. The red flag came down over the Kremlin tonight as President Gorbachev resigned and brought to an end seven decades of communist rule in the Soviet Union. Right to the last, Mr. Gorbachev said he was unhappy at the breakup of the country, but he pledged to do everything he could for the new Commonwealth of Independent Republics. The Russian president, Boris Yeltsin, now has his finger on the nuclear button. We have two reports from Moscow on the final hours of the Soviet Union. As Mikhail Gorbachev resigned, the Soviet and Russian flags still fluttered side by side above the Kremlin. But Mr. Gorbachev finally brought the curtain down on the Soviet Union and his own extraordinary career. Compatriots, due to the situation which has evolved as a result of the formation of the Commonwealth of Independent States, I hereby discontinue my activities at the post of President of the USSR. The manner of his departure reflected the nature of his rule. The Kremlin, so long the forbidden city of the Soviet Empire, opened its doors to the world. Mr. Gorbachev quit live on satellite TV. This society has acquired freedom. It has been freed politically and spiritually, and this is the most important achievement that we have yet to fully come to grips with. And we haven't, because we haven't learned to use freedom yet. Later, in an interview with CNN, Mr. Gorbachev showed documents which formally hand control of the nuclear arsenal to Boris Yeltsin. He was now stripped of all power. We are cooperating, I think, in the interest of our states, in the interests of the Commonwealth, in the interests of the world. Mikhail Gorbachev inherited an empire maintained by the iron fist of central control. He's leaving behind 15 independent states, which share only a disastrous economy and an uncertain future. Tonight, the Kremlin's red flag was lowered for the last time. People in this country, said Mr. Gorbachev, are ceasing to become citizens of a great power. Tim at ITN, Moscow. Out with the old, in with the new. Russia's trickler tonight replacing the red flag over the Kremlin. A country renamed and reborn, and now in the hands of Boris Yeltsin. The Russian president has today received control of the former Soviet nuclear arsenal. He reassured the West that he'd strive to prevent it ever being used. The nuclear weapons are going to be controlled by just one person, and I don't want the international community to be worried about it. Mr. Yeltsin today predicted grave economic difficulties for the coming year, but said he was confident the new Commonwealth would ultimately succeed. The people here are weary of pessimism, and the share of pessimism is too much for the people to handle. Now they need some belief. It's been Yeltsin's boldness that's rewarded him with an independent Russia to rule. Most recently in August when he led resistance during the attempted coup and most sensationally last year when he walked out of the Communist Party Congress and handed in his party card. 
He is, like Mikhail Gorbachev, a product of the Communist Party structures, rising swiftly through its ranks as a young man. But this risk-taker distanced himself from the party and sided with the people before it was too late, emerging as the only opposition leader of stature. Concerns remain about the health of this 60-year-old maverick. He's reported to suffer from a heart complaint. Concerned, too, about his sometimes unstatesmanlike image abroad, internationally, Mikhail Gorbachev is a very hard act to follow. But most concern lies over the ability of just one man to inspire hope. Hope from a people who feel that for so long they've been cruelly mistreated by their leaders. To succeed, he must rescue the economy fast. It's that that will decide the future of Boris Yeltsin and of Russia. Penny Marshall, ITN, Moscow. October 31st, 2015. Welcome back, Grisha. Oh, how was recruit training? Boring. <laughs> but necessary, Comrade Sergeant. Those recruits will soon be needed. It's good to see you all here today. And it will be even better to see you soon breaking through that wall. Then we'll teach those NATO dogs how to fight! They thought they could bully us into submission! They thought we'd give way and fall! But today, we'll show them that the Red Army bows to no one! Today, we'll show them the might of the Soviet Union! Get your vehicle! We go to war! Federation is claiming to not be behind these attacks. We don't know where this new Soviet force is from, but they are bombarding the entire planet.
comrades, the time has come. Are you ready for the latest in proletariat-approved science? Are you ready for the latest in superior Soviet technology? Then get ready for the ultimate in subversion of the best. Get ready for Soviet tech. With the man in red and black, the red stallion of the tech world, Commander Brian Soviet. He has a huge mask. And now, here's Brian Soviet! The time has come! Finally, the Red Stallion, the Soviet of tomorrow, is here for another edition of Soviet Tech. Coming to you live from Mir 7, bringing you news of victory from the stars. Oh yes, the man in red and black, the first of General Makhno's Homo Sovieticus. And let's get right into the news, because it is news of victory for the Soviet Union. Because today, the reports are already coming in from all around the globe that capitalism is seeing its end. Our forces are striking around the world. And soon we will be able to set up our Marxist communities and we will be able to build on the dream that was made so many Octobers ago. The dream of a worker's paradise. It was only a couple of decades ago, a little over that, when our original plan with the Soviet Union came to an end due to the idiocy of one Mikhail Gorbachev. But now, ever since Operation Bakunin was put into place, all is back in order and moving far faster than we ever could have imagined. As a commander in the Red Army, I am already getting reports that California has largely been taken. Silicon Valley, that bastion of surveillance, is now under Soviet control. And we will use those abilities and that surveillance to our advantage. But I'll save that for our lead story. I want to get into some of the more interesting things that are getting developed on our science station at Mir 5. Recently, they have perfected what has been uh, historically called the Kremlin pill. Yes, this is the longevity pill 
that many of the proletariat during the glory days of the USSR were taking to extend their lives. This has now been effectively perfected, as I understand it, and will be a key part of the new man and the new woman that the Soviet Revolution will be bringing forward. It's incredible to consider that with just a pill, Soviets, or as General Makhno likes to call it, Homo Sovieticus, will be able to live for hundreds of years just by ingesting a pill that, as I understand it, you only need to take once a month. I think there's an incredible irony in the fact that so many that believe in the capitalist system always had this dream of somehow being able to one day buy time. And yet, it was the communist system, it was the present dictatorship of the proletariat that allowed for the creation of immortality. I have incredible thanks to express to the scientists on Mir 5. As always, Soviet science is ahead of the game, ahead of the Western game. I will definitely be keeping you updated here on when the Kremlin pill becomes uh, available more widely. Of course, we're still waiting on other Mir stations to set up. Uh, that is another story I wanted to cover. It we, looks like we will have Mir 9 and Mir 10 will be in position uh, within the week. And that's a pretty fast rollout, considering that we had to keep the stations over the poles of the Earth to avoid detection. Of course, some on Earth had briefly detected our stations, and I believe they called them the Black Knights, uh, the Black Knights satellites. But of course, the wonderful thing uh, about shaming and about using labels like conspiracy theorists is that any kind of truth that could have revealed our plans was easily defeated with just a word. Propaganda is a powerful thing. It's something that the Soviets have used for so long and we continue to use. And I'd be lying if I didn't say and express that I wish propaganda was enough to put an end to the Western way of living. I wish it didn't take the violence that is happening on Earth right now. But when we've tried so long and have dealt with so many failures to try and bring on our new world, to bring on a stateless world, that Karl Marx so cleverly planned out a century ago. Well, we're doing what we have to, to truly be free. Without getting too serious on that, I do, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later in this edition of Soviet Tech. 
The Baran 2. This is another exciting story, another exciting development. Of course, the original Baran is a hallmark of Soviet technology, showing that anything the West could do, we could do better. The original Baran, of course, developed in 1974 and was tested briefly in the 80s. And both models since then, of course, had been destroyed. One was in a hangar, more or less a museum piece, which is insulting, to say the least, was destroyed when the hangar collapsed upon it. Regardless, they were amazing pieces of technology, almost fully automated controls. They could land completely on their own. And if you look at United States history, that was one of the major issues with their space shuttle program, which the Buran was competing with. Well, not competing, but dominating. The original Buran also had superior configurability, allowing for larger labs to be built in, as well as larger living quarters. It was a shuttle designed to really go the distance. When you consider the United States space shuttle program, they were constantly having to repair, upgrade, and extend the life of their space shuttles, which came with disastrous results for some very, well, I'll admit it here, courageous human beings. Anyone that follows in the steps of Yuri Gagarin and enters the stars is a courageous human being, regardless of where they were born. But the Buran wouldn't have had any of these issues, and its design would have easily made up for all of these flaws that were apparent in the U.S. shuttle program. But now we have the Buran 2, ready to take its rightful place as the superior shuttle technology on planet Earth, and perhaps even beyond. The Buran 2 uses a magnetic drive for propulsion and will not be reliant upon fuels that, when a system relies upon those fuels, ends up with lots and lots of money going to completely irrational people in countries ruled by religions. The Soviet Union will not be fattening the coffers of the nations of Islam. We will build technologies that don't rely upon things like planned obsolescence or limited ability. We are building things to last from the Buran 2 to automobiles and other forms of public transportation, all using renewable sources of energy. And before we get into our main story, which we already teased at the beginning of the episode, uh, I have another bit of a, which reads quite like a tease <laughs> from Mir 5, our science station. And ironically, this is a sequel of sorts to an original piece of research that, as far as I know, was never replicated by any other nation. And it was actually done on the original Mir space station, of course, the one that was so world-renowned. 
and that operated in space for decades, much longer than any Western space station of any kind, of any merit. And this was experiments on sex. Could you have sex in zero-G? Now, of course, on our modern mere space stations, we have artificial gravity that doesn't raise this issue unless you head into the center of a mere station and then you do encounter zero-G. But otherwise, you deal with artificial gravity. However, the aforementioned Brand 2 model does not have artificial gravity built into it. It's too small a system. And because of that, there has been questions once again on, is it possible for humans to successfully have intercourse while in zero-G? Again, this was originally done, of course, it was classified at the time, but this was originally done in the 80s aboard the Mir space station. And what was discovered then is what was called the three dolphin technique. And this technique effectively required was based upon dolphin mating practices where in water, which of course is how we generally test existing in zero G, but dolphins in the water, how they successfully mate is by one dolphin actually holding up another dolphin while a dolphin on top of that dolphin is thrusting away into the dolphin in the middle. So it works very much as I think in the Western world, they call it a sandwich. And this was successfully tested. It was two men and one woman aboard the original Mir space station. And it worked in zero G it required one man holding the two having intercourse more or less against some plating to make sure that there wasn't any injuries during the sexual act. And again, this was a classified study, but it was successful. However, it was only done once and that's not exactly that there's room for error when you only test things out once uh, of this of this type. So the scientists on Mir 5 are re-engaging in the research of the three dolphin technique. So there are large sections there. Of course, Mir 5 was designed to where it could replicate the zero-G environment far more easily uh, and in, in greater scale. Of course, like I said, on any Mir station, you can go into the center of it and you can experience zero-G. And of course, many people have uh, quite a bit of fun doing such. In fact, uh, space hockey has been incredibly popular to be played uh, in the middle of the Mir stations that surround the Earth. A sport that I actually enjoy. Uh, the studies, I have seen some preliminary reports uh, that they have, that it has all been successful. In fact, it has not just been man, woman, man, but also woman, woman, man. And uh, understandably they are having a good time and you know i want to i want to talk about this for a moment because i think there is this strange and and talk about ironies of course there's so many ironies when you talk about western civilization but i think there was this certain idea that existed in the western world 
that somehow the Russians, the Soviets in history were rather prudish. I assure you that is not the case. It was never the case. And in fact, conservatism was the order of the day in the United States and the rest of the Western world. The Westerners were the ones that were against sex, that were against the very natural drives that humans have. Not us. I suppose, when it comes to propaganda, that it makes good propaganda against your enemy to somehow play them up as being anti-life in that they, they, they're very prudish. It's a fine line that people walk, but we will no longer walk that line. We are doing full research in the matter. And certainly the new man and the new woman of Homo Sovieticus as compared to Homo sapiens will have sex be a very natural part of their lives in this new future that we're building right now. And let's talk about that new future. As I said earlier, we are taking full advantage of the surveillance state that the United States and many other countries, some of the Commonwealth of Nations, of course, all under the Queen of England. It's, you know, it's almost impossible for me to believe that there are still kings and queens on planet Earth. Well, there won't be for much longer. But there are. And these countries have all set up a very sophisticated surveillance system that I don't think our Soviet ancestors could have ever dreamed of being able to take advantage of or could have even have dreamed of building. The original, the original reason for the space program on both sides, on the East and the West, was about surveillance, was about surveilling the entire Earth. And all of that was completely unnecessary. Of course, the space program would get used for other things like Operation Bakunin, which we'll get into, we'll talk more about how that so successfully came to fruition later in this episode. But the surveillance state that exists is going to be used. I've seen some of the uh, headlines, some of the news reports over the past few years from various channels in the Western world. And it's amazing the mental gymnastics that people went through that, oh, we just want to be safe. Please just keep us safe from the terrorists and from whatever other boogeyman, as they call it was out there. You can see everything that I do. You can have complete observation of my life. I will have no privacy whatsoever. Just keep me safe. And that system that was built to keep all of them safe is now being used to bring on the demise of their entire way of life. And it's being used to keep the opposition in check and from not even coming into existence. It was our first order of business, as they say, 
with our present Soviet revolution that we've been planning for so long to take over the servers around planet Earth, Facebook's servers, Google's servers, all of the above. Because on all of that is everything about everyone. In fact, we might not even have needed to take such a violent approach on some parts of planet Earth. We could have just used shame. We could have used all the information that we've collected about politicians, businessmen, all the people that you somehow go around pretending fit your, your Western model of what a person should be. And we could have exposed all of you and shown you all for, oh, how do, you, how do the Western kids call it? Show you all for the freaks that you are. Like I said, not that Homo Sovieticus is in any way against sex. But then, if we did that, people would have reacted negatively against the surveillance system that was being built up. The surveillance society more than just a surveillance state. Because again, everybody wanted this, not just the politicians or the militaries. And then we wouldn't be able to use it against you. It's ironic. I know there were small groups on the earth recently that had, were, were big on the principles of decentralization and peer-to-peer -peer networks. All of these things could have kept this surveillance system from coming under our use and from being used against you, Westerners. It's I could almost laugh at the fact that there were, that it's not even just a few, there were many in the Western world, in Western countries, that knew exactly how to thwart the very prize that we've taken today. That being all of your servers and all of the information about you, everything about you. They were there. And some of them were very loud about it, warning you, warning the Western world about what exactly you were building. And nobody listened. I listened. And then I wasn't afraid, but I listened. And I wondered if, well, these people could make things harder on us, on the Soviet revolution to come. But now, the time is here. It was 1981 when the USSR of the time started planning for Operation Bakunin, which is what brought many of us together now. Of course, I myself was sent to New York as a child from Russia as a sleeper agent. And it's interesting to consider that all of these machinations, if somehow someone wasn't still there, be it in the mere stations or on earth, to help awaken all of the operatives of Operation Bakunin, I wonder 
Could I, in my other life, before becoming Brian Soviet, could I have been one of those people warning the world about the dangers of a surveillance society and how even if people were creating it for the best of intentions, it was far too easy for something like that to be used against everyone and thus not worth or even ethical to build at all. But I am thankful every day that I am not that person, that I get to help in bringing in a new world, a paradise, a communist utopia with a new species, Homo Sovieticus. I'll be back with more. This is Commander Brian Soviet, and you're listening to Soviet Tech. Natalia. Yes, Commander Soviet? Have we found the intruder aboard Mir 7? We haven't yet, Commander Soviet. We're having difficulty as the space station's computer is confused by the existence of two of the exact same biopatterns. What do you mean? Sir, whoever this intruder is, his biosignature matches yours exactly. The computer thinks there are two of you on board Mir 7, and its sensors are stuck in a logic loop. The computer can't accept that there are two of you. There is only one Red Stallion, Lieutenant. I want this imposter found. Yes, Commander Soviet. Our best soldiers are on it. Is there anything else I can do for you? Hmm. Actually, Lieutenant, Natalia is your first name, isn't it? Yes, Commander. I'm feeling terribly vexed at the moment. Perhaps you could help relax your superior officer. Say no more, Commander. The KGB has trained me very well in relaxation techniques. Have they? Da. Da. Let's get back to Soviet tech. Of course, always a great honor for me to speak to all of you comrades across the Mir space stations, as well as those now on the earth. Commander Brian Soviet ready to talk about now really one of my favorite things and something that I have had a very large hand in helping create. And that is our prefabricated communities, what we are calling Marx communities, that can be easily deployed in the area of approximately a city block. And in fact, we can now build larger ones even than that, especially once our bases are set up on the earth. 
So the idea behind the Marx communities is in literally creating perfect Soviet habitats that are sustainable and that can easily accommodate Homo Sovieticus. They are based around renewable energy, not around the capitalist scheme of oil and other non-renewable resources. They will be largely solar-powered, though the ability for wind power, as well as a nuclear heart to each Marx community, is there to power it near indefinitely, as far as by design. And that'll be necessary. We talked earlier about the Kremlin pill, which will allow Soviets to live for centuries, at least. And of course, within that time, that's escape velocity, as it's called. Because within that time, we can come up with better Kremlin pills, or maybe even get beyond needing the Kremlin pill, to live indefinitely, perhaps. It's an exciting world that Homo Sovieticus is going to exist within. So the Marx communities, uh, again, we already talked about what they are using as far as energy, but I want to talk also about, well, I want to give a complete overview because I'm very proud of what's been developed with the, with Marx communities, but the living conditions are substantial. Of course, they're designed for only so many people to live within each Marx community. Uh, I believe the largest model that has been designed so far tops out at about 150 Soviets that can live within it. And of course, that has room for children. And there is plenty of room for children in these prefabricated community systems. And those children will never go hungry. The hydroponic systems more or less completely automated agriculture, all possible through the advancements that we've made on the Mir space stations over the past decades. These are totally self-sustainable, and they could interconnect to create even larger communities if one is so desirous of that. But it's not, I don't find it to be that necessary. I've heard people talk about wanting to do that sort of thing. Uh, I don't necessarily see that happening. I can't imagine, you know, one of the great Soviet pastimes is to go fishing. Speaking of, of getting food, going fishing and hunting. And all of these things are much more easily achieved and done and enjoyable when there's a great, as they say, a great outdoors for you to take advantage of. So having all of these interconnected, uh, I don't, I mean, I could, I guess some people would do it, but I don't necessarily see that happening very often. Uh, but these absolutely beautiful communities, uh, can engage in all of that. And through a lot of the automation, as well as our developments in 3d printing, which gives everyone the absolute total control of the means of production for the very first time. The Marxist dream has absolutely come true, and you can really see that when you first step into one of these prefabricated Marxist communities. There are other technologies built in as well, defensive technologies, and that's something that I think we, we Soviets really need to do a lot more research on. Uh, it was a popular 
in, well, not in the KGB, but in various secret services within the USSR decades ago. It was very popular to study making, and I know some may laugh at this, but it was quite real, quite true, and we will be doing it again, but making killer dolphins, they're an incredibly intelligent species. And they're very good at what we what were, they were trained by our Soviet ancestors to do. And I think that will become a reality again. Also training bears and other animals to be genuine protectors and perhaps enhancing them with some of our more modern technology that we've devised over the years. I think the idea of having attack bears, the idea of Homo Sovieticus not having to be really a soldier anymore. That that part, I know, I know we're doing violent things. Maybe we can get past that. I'm not saying we're there yet, but maybe we can get past that. And maybe nature could take its course. And when those baser areas of nature, if that's what our Soviet philosophers decide to claim that all to be, could be handled by nature itself with these animals. It's an interesting concept to consider, and it's not a new one for the Soviet Union. But the Marxist communities will have some degree of defense, shield technology, force fields, as they're also known as, have not been developed yet. I know that is one of the very, very big uh, pushes being done on Mir 5, our science station. They are trying to make that a reality. Uh, but at the rate at which things, from the reports I'm getting, at the rate at which various parts of the Earth and militaries are really falling into disarray due to our present Soviet movements, that may not even be an issue. Because Homo Sovieticus is about creating the peaceful man, the peaceful worker, that barely even has to work. That's more about maintaining and about living a life of absolute equality. I want to talk a little bit more about that idea as well, not just the Marxist communities, because yes, it's amazing technology, certainly that has been designed, you know, developed and designed. And I've been really proud again to be a part of that, but to talk about the new man and the new woman that goes beyond all the things that we've had to deal with for so long and all of the methods that we've had to use for so long. Maybe this is the last time we have to use those methods, but maybe not. The Red Army isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And I think it'd be foolish to be laying down our arms, even when so many within Homo Sovieticus are ready to start the new life. But I think it's important to talk about this, because even the term Homo Sovieticus was originally an insult. It was supposed to, because uh, it, it's, it's dog Latin, as they call it. And its original intent was to mock what the Soviet Union was trying to create, what Karl Marx was really trying to create. And to take that term and to turn it into a positive, I find somehow fitting. I find it to be perhaps the last laugh on the philosophers that mocked our dreams of pure communism. And I think we'll talk about that more a little bit later in the episode. <laughs> 
But Homo Sovieticus is the perfect man and the perfect woman in top physical condition, eating the top diet, reading the best in knowledge and even in grand fiction and enjoying grand opera that Russians have been creating for so long and that came into fruition throughout the Soviet Union. It really is a new species. And with things like the Kremlin pill and with other developments in health and in genetic engineering that are being done to anyone within the Soviet revolution today to make stronger human beings more resilient to disease, we are not homo sapien anymore. And it's time that if you're still thinking that way, it's time to stop that. You are better. You are more. Superior ability breeds superior ambition. And our ambitions are large. They are grand. The Marxist communities are just one example of that, of this new life that we get to lead. But it's really only going to be something that someone with our new genetic makeup and our new philosophy and our collected knowledge and our collective strength could really bring to bear, bring to fore, to reality. Homo Sovieticus is a human that doesn't need a god and that one day won't need a government either. It's a powerful concept that's not a, it's not a concept anymore. We're real. I remember, I remember before I was awakened into Operation Bakunin, what I was like. I was weak. Yes, I was, I was tall. I could, you know, I, I did perhaps some bodybuilding in my time. But it's nothing compared to the strength that thanks to Soviet genetic engineering that I have now. Nothing compared to the virility, the stamina, the mental acuity that I have, all thanks to Soviet scientists that have created a better human being. Right now, the process that it takes for creating or bringing people into the fold of Homo Sovieticus is very extensive and it's not easy and not everyone has made it. Some have died in the process and that's unfortunate because some of them were absolute patriots to the Soviet cause. This is not a gift that we can give to everyone as much as we want to in the future. Maybe we can, as we develop more and when we are not, no, when we are no longer held down, so many of us no longer held down by the system of capitalism and by these Western idiots, we could advance even more in a far quicker amount of time to where everyone can join Homo Sovieticus 
and be a part of real equality that gives you real power. Not just the genetic engineering, but the philosophy as well. It's going to take time for people to accept this. Even many I've met in the Red Army don't totally get it yet. I'll do everything I can to explain it. Maybe we'll talk about it a bit in this episode. We can never talk about it enough. Because there's a lot of confusion around communism. The Western lies are pretty powerful. Propaganda machines are that. That's why we try to master it. To combat the lies. To spread truth more efficiently as compared to selling people on nonsense which is what the Western world does with propaganda. But that's the importance of the philosophy of Homo Sovieticus, is that so you don't fall for those lies. Getting rid of religion is step one in that. Religion has been the most dangerous force in history for history. All of history. I'm still baffled how it even came to be the day that we can burn all of those books so that the memory of religion no longer threatens anyone is a day that we will be twice as free as what we're trying to build now. In fact, it may even be a good thing that a popular development in technology has been the ebook, the electronic book. And most people don't even have paper books anymore. Thanks to that, all it takes now, we don't even have to burn these texts, these spurious texts anymore. Now we can just delete them. And like we were talking about earlier in the show, when we have control of all the servers, sure. There may be some people with, local hard drives or maybe someone's you know running a, a peer-to-peer network system like a like BitTorrent of some kind that may still have some books but those will be found very quickly but for the masses all of this can be deleted how much more free will we be with that to get rid of some of the more disgusting parts of human history. In fact, when we get back from the break, why don't we talk more about some human history? History that, even though it's readily available on the internet, on Earth, no one seems to know about it. We'll talk about that, and I think we really should spend the time of talking about real communism and the philosophy behind it and the reality behind it. When we get back, this is Commander Brian Soviet, and you're listening to Soviet Tech.
dropships and parachute Soviet soldiers into key positions. Expect high casualty rates. Set up prefabricated marks and canyons for stateless communities. Stateless communities? Oh shit. <gasps> Who are you? <laughs> just. Just relax. My name is Brian Sovereign, and I have no desire to hurt you. I'm with. Well, I'm with nobody. Brian Sovereign? I'm willing to tell you more, but you need to tell me more. What is Mir 7? Where did you Soviets come from? And what is KGB Operation Bakunin? I'll tell you. You look just like Commander Soviet. Tell me about him, too. with the Soviet anthem, the Song of Freedom.
Truly, the national anthem of the USSR never gets old. It is an incredibly epic piece of music that, frankly, I think is without compare. And I imagine that even after a stateless society is finally achieved, which is coming very soon, thanks to the Marx communities and the present Soviet revolution on Earth, it will be listened to and remembered fondly. But some are shocked when they hear that we Soviets want a stateless society, as Western propaganda has made it seemingly clear, quote-unquote, for years, decades in fact, that the Soviet Union is all about controlling the people and of being a tyrannical, dominating government. When this was not the plan, I will agree, I will admit, and you won't hear this from many others in the Soviet Union, but I will admit that there have been members of the proletariat, members that were part of the what was known as the dictatorship of the proletariat, that abused the responsibilities and thus the perhaps the privileges that came with those responsibilities in the Kremlin and in other areas. And it's a tough thing to admit, but it's true. But when one reads the actual works of Karl Marx and others of his time and ilk, it becomes readily apparent that they were working towards a stateless society. They were working towards an anarchist society. Please understand, I am an anarchist. Commander Brian Soviet is an anarchist, and I am everything I do every single day is to get beyond the point where we need the dictatorship of the proletariat, where we need government. And we can live in that worker's paradise. We can live in the Marx communities peacefully. I know many are shocked by this, but it was literally in the writings of the USSR. In its founding documents, it stated that it was working towards creating a stateless society, a stateless world. And this is where people get confused. Somehow thinking that communism is about control. It's not about, the only way that it's about control is in giving back control. To individuals. This is another common misconception with communism. Is that it's about collective society. No, it's about empowering the individual. It's the most individualistic ideology out there. And just because some unfortunate people and events 
occurred in the USSR doesn't mean that the idea of having to have a government before you can have an anarchist society is a bad one. In fact, there's a group that were called libertarians. They're still down there on that blue ball known as Earth. And they know the same thing, that you have to get into power to take power back. And they're trying it. Some of them are even planning on creating an anarchist world after the fact. Of course, that's not going to happen. Not when people see the light of Homo Sovieticus. But there's no reason to think that history would repeat itself. There's no reason to think that history repeats itself all the time. Those libertarians are just doing exactly what Karl Marx laid out, that you have to create, you have to be a part of government, create a government before you can have your anarchist society. Now, there have been some socialist or communist philosophers like Kropotkin and some others that have theorized that, no, you do not involve yourself in government. You just build an anarchist society. You skip the whole thing. But there's no evidence necessarily that that works. I suppose some would claim that perhaps the evidence is slim that involving yourself in government to get to an anarchist society doesn't work either. Well, the new Soviet Union that is bringing on the stateless society that I wish to have is going to make sure of it, make sure we get that no matter what, dealing with government or not. But to highlight the idea that uh, what would be perhaps Kropotkin's folly, I want to give you a little bit of a history lesson. And this is what was known as, well, in English, the free territory in the early part of the 20th century. In fact, our very own General Makhno is a descendant of one of the leaders of that movement of the free territory. And it was just that. It was an anarchist society that existed from 1918 to 1921. But it was defeated due to having an inferior military in its time and not having the support of other communist groups, including the Soviet Union itself. It existed in Ukraine, not a large part of Ukraine, but it did amazingly hold its own for three years. And by some reports, the letters are very scarce, was seemingly prosperous. But then what happened? Well, what happens any time that you're dealing with the weak or that you're dealing with those that wish to live in peace when the world around you isn't ready for that? 
you get conquered. The Free Territory was an experiment, a real one. This is no grand fiction created in history or by some funny narrative. And it fell. It's a hard lesson for anarchists. It's a lesson that fortunately we can take and understand why the dictatorship of the proletariat was necessary until we can have everyone ready until all can join Homo Sovieticus and we can finally have that stateless society. Remember that that is the goals of the free territory and the goals of the Soviet union were the same to create a stateless society. It's in every documentation that we have. It was not about creating a tyrannical system. Quite the opposite. But if you listen to the capitalists, if you listen to the Americans, you would think quite differently. If you listened even to those libertarians I mentioned earlier, you would think quite differently. You would think, oh, no, no, it was all about control. It was all about losing your individuality when Instead, it was the opposite. It was about giving the individual the, the, the claim, the means of production, the ability to really be an individual and to express their individuality. You know, in those Marx communities that I helped create, the potential for expressing yourself through art and for not having to worry about so many of the everyday things are all there. It's a part of what, of, of how we built them and the humans that are going to flourish and thrive, the Soviets that are going to thrive out of that. It takes my breath away to think about it. How impressive this humble creature known as humanity, known as a human will become thanks to the glory of the final realization of pure communism at all costs. I am so excited to, to see all of the, all of the plans, the decades of plans that went into operation Bakunin come into fruition. All those people, myself included, all around the world, just laying in wait, waiting to get the signal to wake up and realize what their real purpose in life was. And that was to bring on that pure communist future. And all of these systems, the genius of building the Mir space stations over decades of launching so many Soyuz rockets that created this, this astral community where we could be safe from the poison thoughts 
and the poisonous actions of capitalism and all of the amazing technologies and science that we have been able to develop and push forward all because we exist outside of that system. And now we can bring it to everyone else. It's my great pleasure every week to do Soviet tech. And I look forward to you listening again next week. And I look forward to sharing with you the fruits of the final steps in our Soviet revolution that I'm about to enact. This has been Commander Brian Soviet, and thank you for listening to Soviet Tech. Computer, prepare to launch Cossack drones. Send them down to the Earth. Let the insurrection begin. Unable to comply. All orbital launches are in secure lockdown mode. Secure lockdown mode? On whose authority? By your authority, Commander. It must be that imposter. Damn. I'll have to find him myself. Don't bother, Commander. I'm right here. What? What is this? You're me. He is you, Commander. From another universe. This is ridiculous. It's true. His name is Brian Sovereign. He's a secret agent from a world where the Soviet Union never enacted Operation Bakun. But he's an anarchist, just like you. No, not just like you. I don't kill people, Commander Soviet, and I never will. I'm the one that stopped your drones from launching, and I won't let those dropships launch either. I understand what you're trying to do. I know you're trying to achieve the stateless society that your communist forefathers said would eventually come. I want a stateless world too, but killing people to get there isn't the way. No one has to die to achieve your dreams. You don't know how long we've waited for this agent sovereign. If you're me, you know the fire that burns within. The fire for real freedom. If people must perish for it, it's worth it. For all those that want to live a free life. It's not worth it, Brian. Remember the works of Kropotkin and others. Anarchists don't exist to wipe out other sapient beings. We exist to live in cooperation and mutual aid. You're Homo Sovieticus, your new man that you've created. It's all a sham if this new man uses the old man's methods. Peace is the way, Brian. And if resistance is needed, nonviolent resistance is the way. I can show you. Enough of your talk, Agent Sovereign. Commander, don't...
Commander, stop! Your attack ability is incredible, but my defense matches it blow for blow. It's a stalemate. We're the same, deep down. What would you have me do, Brian Sovereign? You already... You already have the mere stations surrounding the Earth. You could live in them for centuries if need be. They're self-sustaining. And you have the whole solar system to explore. Build your stateless society here, in the stars. You don't need the Earth. Or at least you can wait for it to catch up to you. Live in peace. Disband your military. Convert your drones to explore the whole solar system. There's no one out here to stop you from living in anarchy. There's no one out there that can hurt you. And if the capitalists on Earth start to really reach for the stars, too? Then you'll know well in advance. And you can start developing technologies to defend yourselves. The way I see it, you're 200 years ahead of anything being done on Earth now. If it's anything like my Earth, anyway. Accept peace, Commander. Be the future. You are very convincing, Agent Sovereign. We will try it your way. And we should help you get back home. Yeah.
you're able to oh, recreate God. the cause the dimensional rift, and we can send you a... Natalia! Oh, Commander! I, I didn't... I, I thought you were going to be busy. Commander, it, it was my... Please. No apologies, Agent Sovereign. Obviously, I can completely understand why the lieutenant would wish to stoop with you. But now I'm wondering if Natalia would like to really put her KGB training to the test. Commander? The Red Stallion and the Golden Stallion? Hey, I'm up for it if you are. Oh, my. Yes, please. Join us, Commander Soviet. Prepare for dimensional rift transfer. Please harness your orbital parachute in case of emergency. I'm ready. Good luck, Agent Sovereign. I love you, Brian. Both of you. So much. I know. Natalia, Commander... Carpe Lucem. See you on the other side, Brian Sovereign. is losing orbit due to the dimensional rift that just formed outside the station. Activate! Uh, activate the emergency thrusters. Emergency thrusters are inoperable. Oh, fuck. Now entering the Earth's orbit. Oh, there's gotta be a way out of this. We are now within the Earth's atmosphere. Impact in. Wait a minute. Oh, no parachute. Computer, open the rear hatch of the station. It is not advisable. We're about to crash. It doesn't matter what's advisable. Blow the hatch now! Hatch.
Oh boy. <laughs> You're probably wondering, what the hell was that? <laughs> Ooh, well, uh, the Golden Stallion here with you. Um, this was something, you know, okay, I did an episode. You're getting like a behind the scenes here. Okay, I did an episode of Sovereign Tech. Uh, but like, I don't know, I guess a year ago now. Yeah, it'd be about a year ago now. Uh, it's infamously known as Sovereign Tech 2099, where I went into the future and I played up like I was in the year 2099. People loved it. I mean, it's probably still my most famous episode of Sovereign Tech. People liked it when I mixed in some, uh, you know, some fiction with the very heavy nonfiction, really, that we deliver on Sovereign Tech uh, every single week. And I wanted to do something. I love doing kind of like Halloween episodes or, you know, Halloween's one of those those holidays I actually kind of appreciate. Of course, I guess there's a lot of people that do that. But uh, mine might be coming out of some sort of knee jerk reaction to the fact that when I was, of course, I was originally raised Jewish and then I was raised Christian. Uh, you know, it, like halfway in between, very confusing matter. Uh, and my family, you know, when they were Christian, like it was anti-Halloween. And actually, if, if you're, you know, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, I think being anti-Halloween is exactly what the Bible, you know, more or less orders. Uh, if you're Catholic, that's different, but then they're not exactly Bible-believing, are they? I mean, they are in a way, but that's a, that's a whole other subject. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely in the camp that, like, like you know, Catholicism has the real claim to Christianity. Don't, you know, don't confuse me there. But anyway, I, I'm an atheist. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So <laughs> so I wanted to do something fun. And I had this episode planned for quite some time. Uh, I made everybody wait forever for me to finally, you know, finish it and have it come out. Um, it was a really difficult episode to do because I was kind of trying to play a genuinely like bad slash evil character or a guy that, uh, you know, was was really, you know, questionably moraled, <laughs> you know, and, and please understand, I'm I'm not actually, you know, a, a, a communist, but of course I'm, I'm certainly an anarchist. Uh, but one of the goals I really wanted to lay out here. So, I mean, so it was tough for me to play that up because I'm, I'm not any of those things. When I did the 2099 episode, it was actually, you know, in many ways a lot easier because I was just talking about the future that I want, <laughs> you know, uh, or even the one that I just kind of envision. Uh, and I was able to, you know, more or less be myself, but being, you know, somebody who would do things like a be violent, uh, you know, and believes in using lethal force, uh, which I don't believe in using uh, lethal force. I definitely believe in self-defense, but I'm, I'm not a fan of lethal force at all. Uh, and I refuse to engage in it. So doing that. And then of course the person being a communist and all that, I mean, it was very difficult to kind of, to, to pull that off. Cause I did this with uh, more or less no script. I had an idea of a couple of the stories I wanted to touch on or a couple of the ideas I wanted to touch on. Uh, but that's it. But that was one of my goals too, as far as like things to touch on. Uh, you know, it's ironic, like <laughs> people have no idea. Because they don't actually read the works of the opposition. And I'm not saying you need to spend your time doing that. We all have limited time. Uh, we don't have Kremlin pills that actually work, unfortunately. You know, the Kremlin pill was a real thing. Uh, just it was bullshit. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to get across uh, in this episode, and of course now I'm being explicit with it, is that most people don't realize that, yes, in what passes for a constitution, for a government edict, for the USSR, it did specifically state that they were trying to get to a stateless society. They were trying to get to anarchism. The U.S. doesn't even do that. The U.S. says, no, you need government. 
Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, where's the irony in that? The historical irony. Uh, this is a fact. You know, Marx was an anarchist, really, uh, you know, in many ways, uh, in the end. He was trying to get to a point where there was no need for what he called the dictatorship of the proletariat. You know, he felt that that government was needed to get people ready. He felt that you needed an in-between system before you could get to the anarchist system, to the stateless system. And this is so funny because so many people in my circles who think that uh, that that politics is a necessary evil you know, that this is how you, how we will get to the free society or something. They're pulling right out of Marx's playbook. And ironically, they're also calling themselves capitalists, which is a term that Marx came up with. Okay. As an insult. <laughs> so, you know, all these, all these tricks that are like, but, you know, but those same people that I mentioned, those same libertarians, you know, or, or, and, and caps or whatever that say like, oh yeah, no, we just got to work within the system. That's okay. That's how we get some more freedom and all that are like vehemently they will claim to be vehemently anti-Marxist when, again, they are playing inside of his playbook. How funny. <laughs> so so <laughs> it's perfect for creating some kind of Halloween parody, you know, about the whole thing. And, and that was that was part of my goal uh, in doing this episode was, you know, to to highlight a lot of that. And to point that out, uh, you know, in, in, in some some shape or form. And I thought it was kind of important to point out that there are, I mean, there is an argument that gets made that communism isn't about everybody being the same. It is actually about allowing the individual to express themselves, you know, as, as fully as possible. Um, you know, it falls under maybe what some people would think of like the zeitgeist movement or, or things like that. And it gets into funny terms. I mean, when you start trying to say, well, you know, social communism is socialism, socialism is communism and all that. I mean, you end up with all these very, you know, strange um, definitions and everybody has disagreements on, on how all that stuff, uh, you know, could be uh, defined. But I wanted to, you know, to kind of highlight that, too. I mean, nobody talks about this stuff. Like I listen to, you know, so many podcasts and I've never really heard anyone do like a really deep as in quoting from, you know, fr from communist papers and documents, uh, you know, deconstruction of all these things. Now, yes, you can deconstruct this stuff. Communism is in many ways, you know, not a good idea. It doesn't mean that there aren't certain things in here and there, you know, that that could be plucked from uh, for sure. But. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a, it's a good idea, but no one really takes the time to realize this stuff. I mean, even if, if somebody just did a cursory reading, uh, you know, about communism on social media, they would find out about the fact that the Soviet Union, the original Soviet Union, was created to get to an, a stateless society, not to create a massive state, but to get to a stateless society. Uh, now, this is where, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of, you know, actual communists or anarcho-communists or whatever, they they kind of say, well, look, Stalin fucked up everything. Right. Like that, that's the that's the argument that they bring up. And maybe there's some validity to that. But does communism allow for, you know, real human flourishing in practice as compared to in theory? I would argue that, that, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, but I just want to, you know, to bring all this up. People have no idea. And most, and actually this is the other thing too, when you read, you know, various works by anarcho-communists, uh, you know, when you, when you read their stuff, you know, they really by force don't want to take anything away from you. 
I mean, I like like this this meme going around. I mean, yes, okay. So there are there certainly are what what do you call them insurrectionary anarchists that uh, definitely believe in using violence. Uh, I can't disagree with that more. Uh, but there are people who have you know kind of communist ideologies within. Uh, uh, you know, that within these, oh man, see what I mean? Like all these terms, it, it all just gets so nuts. <laughs> you know, one of the questions that I get asked all the time is like, Brian, what kind of anarchist are you? And it's like, yeah. And, and I know it's so cheesy now for people to like, not want to have labels and all this shit. I mean, it, like it's, it's near cliche to say you don't want to be labeled today. Um, but it like, like there's all these crazy terms and like, all I want, you know, <laughs> with an anarchist it's like okay do you want to use force against me no like do, do you believe violence or do you believe that you know lethal force is you know some kind of you know means to an end no okay well <laughs> well then there we go <laughs> all right i mean like like that's in in many ways like that that's enough for me what you want to do outside of that uh as long as you're not interested in killing buddy or killing anybody or you know you know using coercion and all this stuff well hey whatever so, but th- that's, that's the thing is that there's not a, like, there's people who could put up pretty good arguments, especially against quite a few ANCAPs that actually have podcasts. Not all of them. There's some, there's, there's certainly some ANCAPs that could wipe the floor or, you know, there, there's people, anarchists. See, again, it's all these fucking terms. There's people that can wipe the floor with each other, you know, ideologically is my point. Okay. But nobody really takes the time to read the works of the people that, uh, you know, of the, the, perhaps what they would consider the opposition or people that think in a different way. No one takes the time to actually read the works of communists. And now if you have limited time, I'm not saying go ahead and go read that shit. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there, there is this strange narrative that isn't true. And I don't know what that comes out of, you know, when it comes to ANCAPs or anarchists in general or whatever, uh, they, they have a complete lack of understanding of at least what people say in theory in, you know, in these circles, in these alternative anarchist circles, or maybe, you know, maybe I'm the alternative <laughs> in the anarchist circles. I'm, I'm, I'm not the mainstream. I th- it'd be amazing, you know, what you realize and how so many of these, these, I mean, like there are some really dumb ass arguments that get made, you know, between like, oh, the ANCOM says this, he wants to take everything away from you and all this stuff. It's like, well, you know, actually most of them, they don't really want to, you know, do anything to you. <laughs> I mean, they, they really don't. Uh, in fact, it's more the ANCAPs that are the ones that are ready to go to violence at any given moment, quite frankly, uh, at least in verbiage. So I thought it'd be fun to do a Halloween episode, a Halloween special of sorts, where all of these, you know, all of this stuff, uh, you know, gets laid out. I, I was going to, I was tempted. I had some, some recordings of like some, uh, anarchist communist talks that I was going to put in there, uh, you know, so, so that people could hear some of this stuff. But I, I got the sense that, you know, I, I asked a few people about this. Hey, what do you think about doing this with this episode? And they effectively said, no, you know, don't put that in. People are just going to fall asleep. And I was like, all right, well, we don't want people to fall asleep. Uh, you know, I that. That's the last thing uh, that I want to do. So, yeah, uh, th- this is, you know, again, just a, a simple uh, Halloween episode. Um, and I did put in, you know, I needed to put in a finisher for the storyline uh, at the end of it. If you didn't catch the hint, yes, Skylab C. 
which it was created in episode 120, uh, 125, um, was, was destroyed. And so you're going to find out what happens next, uh, in episode 150. And please folks, if you've never listened to Sovereign Tech before, you know, it, it is, it's a very serious, well, I mean, yes, I have a lot of fun too, obviously, if you're, if you listen to this, but, uh, but it, you know, it's, it's serious tech news and it deals with serious issues, uh, bleeding edge issues in my opinion. So please don't judge the show, uh, by this episode. This episode was, uh, was completely for fun, but yes, we will have completely new, uh, uh, bumpers and intros and all this stuff, uh, in, in the next, you know, going from 150 to 175 of course i change things every 25 episodes which really equates to effectively every six months uh essentially you get like a new little spy uh storyline uh built in you know built into the show that that's just fun and people love it they really appreciate you know kind of the production value uh that i bring so and i love doing then you know doing episodes like this like all those in between uh action sequences that you heard those take hours, if not days, uh, to make, you know, and I have to give a lot of thanks, of course, to the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Uh, she helped make, a, I mean, she's helped make a lot of pretty much every, uh, you know, little action sequence I've made into a reality, be it through the fact that I use her studio or that she graciously offers her incredible voice talent, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, to, to, to make all of this really happen. And she certainly did a great job, uh, with this episode as well. And you know, something else <laughs> like eventually I got to figure things out. Cause eventually I'm going to run out of like, uh, different, uh, sex scenes <laughs> that, that I could play out. Like, I mean, you know, from, from what was the episode? So the first time I did the, the, you know, the kind of the spy story that this, this episode incorporated was in episode 75, I think it was, or yeah, it was from 75 to a hundred. And then I did another one from episode 100 to 125. Now from 75 to a hundred, it was just a simple, you know, two person, uh, sex scene. And, uh, you know, at the end, that's the climax, right? <laughs> and then, and then, and then from 100 to 125, uh, you know, it was still more or less, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, sex scene. Of course it was on, on a motorcycle. Uh, but, and then, then from 125 to 150, it was a full on orgy, right? <laughs> I mean, but you know, think things differed up, uh, you know, a little bit. And so after you go full on orgy and then of course in this, I, I kind of topped it a little bit to where, you know, it was, it was a, what do they call it? An MMF, right? <laughs> You know, where do I go from there? Uh, I might backpedal a little bit. Well, I'll leave the surprise for you, but you know, I, I like to keep things different, uh, and, and varied. And some people are like, holy shit, you know, how, how dare you put these kind of, uh, you know, the, the sex scenes and all this stuff, you know, then all this moaning and everything, uh, in an episode, look folks, <laughs> the one thing that Brian Soviet and Brian Sovereign agree on is that, you know, it's, it's. Or as, as Brian Sovereign said throughout, you know, this episode, be the future. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just being the future. Like I, I really hate how much stigma, you know, sex has in entertainment still, 
you know, particularly in the United States and other parts of the world, it's it's really not as not as bad. Uh, I mean, I I think, you know, what I produce as far as sex goes, because, I mean, I've gotten a lot of complaints, you know, or, or is like, you know, sex stuff that I do on, on Sovereign Tech. Uh, and I love to talk about sex topics, too, as well. In fact, on next week's uh, episode, which there will be a regular episode, it'll be 150, of course. Uh, you know, I will talk about that. Uh, but I get a lot of complaints and and it's just it, it's it's mind boggling to me. Because I think what I'm doing is relatively tame compared to what, you know, a lot of the shit that's out there. <laughs> but but I guess it isn't. I, I, I don't know. So, you know, I, I like to do that. And, you know, something, I mean, an idea that I'm, I've been floating around uh, right now, I don't, I mean, I have so many projects going on. I'm, I'm making, you know, I have albums that I'm doing, uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh, as well as the Book of Enoch will be coming out uh, very soon. Um, I have Hypercronius 2, my newest video game that's coming out. Uh, I still have tons of work that I'm doing on ZOG.Ninja on the website. Uh, I still have, like, social media stuff that I'm going to be building into the website so many things that, that I have going on, but I would love to do, uh, you know, an anarchist like audio, kind of like the shadow, you know, series or something and have characters like Brian Soviet come back uh, and have, you know, all, all these all these different things that I've built. Uh, in fact, even uh, Stephanie, she is she said to me, she's like, you know, with the storyline that you're building with your tech show, <laughs> Like you could write novels and I'm like, well, I'd love to write novels, you know, uh, and, and I'm, you know, writing, I mean, this is, I, I'm getting, okay. I've written stuff before, but I mean, I'm, I'm definitely getting better at the whole writing thing, especially since every single day of the week, there is new content, be it blog con content or whatever else there is new content on ZOG.ninja, be it at the Zog blog, darkandroid.info or, you know, wh whatever part of the site that I release something new, there's always something new on that website every single day. I don't know that many really, you know, especially from the creator. Like it's one thing. Okay. If you have a message board, right. If you have a message board and, uh, you know, people are posting on it all the time. Well, that's great. I'm going to have a message board, you know, on, on zog.ninja here very soon as well. But I don't know that many people in as particularly in the, you know, Liberty circles that every single day they are offering you some kind of content and it's really unique content and it's content that comes with a very personal flavor and all of that uh, people. I mean, I, I certainly hear from quite a few people and people that share uh, my blog content and content on ZOG.ninja. And I love you so much for it. I really appreciate that. Um, and there's no ads on my site. I mean, yes, I advertise my games, but because it's my business, I love, why would I not want to show off my business, but you're not getting advertisements for tide or for some other, you know, kind of nonsense. Uh, you know, there's no ads on there. I'm literally just wanting to push to you great info. I wanting my, and I want my opinions to be heard because I rarely ever see my opinions get heard, especially when it comes to tech journalism. Holy shit. Uh, you know, and nobody else is, is even dreaming of doing the things, uh, you know, that I'm trying to achieve with dark Android. And then really with what I'm doing with the dark Android project is just creating the device that I want to use. I'm glad it's, I'm really happy that other people are interested in it as well. And they want the same thing, but it's really all about, you know, what I want for myself. And so, but I get to express it to everybody, which I guess, you know, you that's the beauty of, uh, of networks. So anyway, I, I know I'm rambling a bit, but I wanted to to save 
the time of people asking, holy shit, what the hell was this episode? What What is the Soviet tech that you created? Who is this Brian Soviet and all that? Um, I wanted, you know, I'll, I'll get back. I want to get back on that track. I wanted to save the time of having to do that, uh, answer that during, uh, you know, imp- the important messages segment where I answer emails, uh, uh, you know, on, on an episode of Sovereign Tech. That way you have it right here built into the episode itself. Uh, so, Anyway, yes, you have the character Brian Soviet, who is a sleeper agent. I, ca- I came up with this, uh, you know, Operation uh, 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 Bakunin, which, of course, is named after the very uh, famous anarchist who had some really great ideas and was very explicit uh, about his anarchism. And, uh, you know, so there's that. And I kind of played it off. If you ever saw the movie Salt, S-A-L-T, with Angelina Jolie, I think it was 2007 or maybe it was 2010. Anyway, that, that movie where she ends up, she finds out, you know, she's working for uh, the CIA or whoever, and she finds out she's actually a KGB plant. Uh, you know, and like there's this, there's this operation called day X where this guy would have all the, these children that he sent around the world and they'd all, you know, kind of wake up and, and their sleeper personality would come up and they would, uh, uh, you know, bring back the Soviet Union and all that. So I was definitely riffing off of that idea, uh, you know, to where, where Brian, uh, Brian Soviet is one of these, you know, kind of sleeper agents. And then, you know, he wakes up when this new Soviet revolution is supposed to happen and he's kind of in charge of it. He's a commander, you know, in the new red army. Uh, so that, that, that was, that was the overall gist of, you know, the storyline there. And I do plan on, you know, that certainly, <laughs> you know, I want to bring back this character uh, at various points, even though right now he's being very friendly with Brian Sovereign at the end of uh, very, very friendly, of course, with uh, him and Natalia. Uh, and, you know, who knows what will come of that? You know, maybe maybe somebody went through the portal along with Brian Sovereign that that he goes through at the end. Who knows? <laughs> but how did they survive and how did he miss them? Well, that's that's a whole other ballgame. Uh, or, you know, maybe that portal can get reopened and, and, and all of this. Uh, so it was all about creating this really cool story. And like I was saying earlier, you know, uh, this is the point I was trying to get to earlier. Then I got sidetracked into everything I do on my website is I'd love to create like an anarchist radio series, fiction radio series. These are becoming very popular in, you know, as podcasts, radio, I'm just using that as a, you know, as a blanket term. Uh, And I'd love to have all these characters, you know, uh, be a part of it and, you know, just tell these tremendous stories because I think fiction is really like, this is the place. This is why I'm so excited to to do anarchist video games of which I've already done two and working on my third one uh, is because it gets the message out there, but in, in a really fun way and in an engaging way where people are just, they can't wait to hear what's next is to compare to where if you're sitting at, ah, hell, I don't know if, if you're in Auburn, (laughs) you know, if you're at Mises, you, and you're just like sitting there listening to some guy with, honestly, they're still using an overhead projector. And it's just like, Oh, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, like, and you're just going to fall over asleep. Right. And so I think there's, there's exciting ways to, to get this stuff out there. And, it's not like it's a trick or anything, or it's not like it's some kind of propaganda because these are ideas. These are concepts. These are adventures that are exciting to me. You know, I want to hear about them. And so like so many other things I've done, I assume other people are interested in, in hearing it too. And from the response that I get from people, uh, you know, they love the stories that I create, uh, you know, in between in between the cracks uh, of this, uh, you know, of this three year going science and tech show sovereign tech. And so if I could do that, 
you know, I would love, I mean, maybe even Sovereign Tech would morph into that where it's more of a, you know, obviously I would take on another name, um, but where it, it gets into more about being this kind of anarchist adventure show. I think that'd be awesome. And in fact, if somebody, look, I'm an anarchist, I don't believe in intellectual property. If somebody else wants to get ahead of the game on me with that, by all means, <laughs> you know, go for it. I would appreciate the, uh, the friendly competition, uh, honestly. So it's something that, you know, if, if I end up making enough money with, with other ventures that I do, uh, you know, and, and please, you know, if you want to donate, uh, you know, don't hesitate to, I really appreciate that. Those are always so helpful. Um, you know, if I ever end up making, you know, money with the other ventures that I do, you know, games do very well and all that, which by the way, I announced that, uh, Hypercronius 2 will be cross platform. It will be available on Android. iOS is going to be kind of a question. Like maybe if you have a jailbroken iOS device, uh, the problem I'm going to run into with iOS is I'm going to run into Apple's terms of service and they don't allow sex at all, uh, like at all. <laughs> and so, uh, in fact, I did a write up. You should read about it, about, uh, about telegram on the dark Android blog, go to darkandroid.info and you can find it. it's one of the most recent stories. Uh, you might want to read about that because you find out some truths about iOS and, and the restrictions they put on app developers there. So for iOS, I'll admit it's going to be a challenge to get games on there because I like, like I was saying with this app, you know, with the show with sovereign tech in general. And of course with this episode in particular and whatever, I love putting sex into things. It's, I think it's important that it gets out there because it shouldn't be, you know, Oh, you get it. It's, it's the oldest argument in the book. I mean, you can have all the violence you want, but the instant you put sex in, Oh my God, somebody put a lid on that thing. Don't let anybody, you know, see that. And so, you know, I like to kind of be in your face about it <laughs> and, and Apple won't let you like, they just won't let you like we've talked about in sovereign tech many times, they won't even let farting apps on there. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I want, I want my games to do very well and all of that. Uh, and if they do, that'll, that frees me up to do other, uh, exciting projects. I love being creative. That's, that's the whole beauty is, you know, and then that's one of the things I really want is, to, is for technology to help humans get to the point where they can really concentrate on their creativity, uh, you know, more so than, you know, <laughs> being wage slaves all the time. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Anyway. That's enough of that. I hope you enjoyed Soviet Tech. I had a lot of fun making it. I finally released it. And <laughs> if you have any comments on it, if something enraged you, please feel free. Go to zog.ninja or sovereigntech.com. Go to the Contact Us page, and you can let me know. But there it is, folks. Carpe Lucem, episode 150, next week. I'll see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.